Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Scott Harvath Podcast. How you doing this week, Mike? I'm doing good. This book was a whole lot of fun. Something a little different on the Scott Harvath pod. Yet Scott Harvath just makes a quick cameo here. But I'm still here for it. Had a good time with the Athena girls. What do you think? Yeah, two, two quick cameos to be exact. Uh, one was shorter True. than the other. Yeah, yeah, but True. Yeah, no, I, 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 I think I remember reading this novel and liking it. I was kind of confused when the first go around when I was reading the books because I just like kind of got them from the library and I, I just, you know, saw I didn't realize what this one was and then I read it and then I was like, oh, hey, this is cool, nice little one off. And you know, it's interesting to think about how he put out two books this year, right? So it'll be this one. And the next one we're going to cover on this podcast, Full Black, right? So to think like Scott or Brad pumping out two novels every year going forward, that would have been crazy. Oof. I think he wanted a sequel. The way this book wraps up, I haven't read any commentary or listened to any of his interviews. But the way the book wraps up, he was really teeing up another one. And, and I'm frankly shocked that we don't have it. Which might lead into something else I want to talk about tonight with you. I'm a little shocked at some of the reviews of this book. I was generally flipping through your Goodreads, your Amazon. Some people had some not-so-nice things to say, and you're the numbers guy. I think our numbers are a little lower than we're used to seeing with these books. And so I thought, for a book that I really enjoyed, had a great time with, and a book that I actually would want the sequel to. When he teed it up at the end with the Amalgam, this conspiracy group, I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let, let, let's chase him down. Let's get Gretchen and the girls back in, in the field. And the fact that it hasn't happened, the reviews are kind of mediocre. I, I want to try to pick apart what people's problem is with this book. I, because I, I think I see some things that people would propose as a problem. Yet, in my opinion, th th there's no reason to, to criticize the, this book that much. And, and I think the critiques are coming from people's – I think it's very external. You know, It's not something related to the book. It's, it's an externality people are bringing with them as the reader. And I find that a little disappointing that this book has, has lower reviews because it's really an enjoyable story. I mean, honestly, it is. Yeah, and you know, some of the things I, I read were – you know, this book is written for adolescent girls, like in, in the writing style of, of that manner. Uh, the fantasy in this book is so surreal. Why is Brad doing that? He's never done that before. But, you know, and then, you know, the character development was very weak. Uh, you know, this is a modern day Charlie's Angels. You know, I would argue a bunch of things. One, I, I, I kind of could tell that this was Brad Thor the whole time. Uh, you know, it yeah, had elements agreed. of a Scott Harvath novel, not, all, not to mention absolutely Scott Harvath present, you know, even though I listened to it on via audiobook, and I have to say like, what's her name? Uh, we said, oh, I had it pulled up Elizabeth Marvel. Oh, was, she's fantastic. Was really good. And this book was especially hard because not only, you don't, you know, normally you just have one protagonist with a bunch of side characters. In this case, you have, I guess you could argue that, you know, Casey is your, uh, you know, main female, Gretchen Casey. But, you know, you have all the time these four women interacting with each other. And the way she was able to inflect her tone back and forth was, was, was pretty fascinating. And I could tell when she was in each character. Yes. But 
to follow up and say that, oh he's never done fantasy before like obviously you haven't no. read his other novels then <laughs> because no, it's not true it's just not true I, I even texted you halfway through kind of when we were getting to you know really starting to understand this whole you know nazi because you know I, we're gonna get to the first chapter which is like kind of crazy you're just like dumped in in media res with this you know female operative you know going in nazi germany trying to take out this guy so we're like coming back to why that chapter was important and i'm like oh this is interesting this is kind of like uh what was it um a foreign influence no is it foreign influence or the apostle what's the one with the uh like thomas Je- national treasure style uh oh i think foreign influence because the apostle is afghanistan right right you know it's foreign influence and then um the other one that comes to mind is our our favorite book uh <laughs> blowback right yeah yeah you know there's so, remnants of that you're right but to me you know I don't, maybe we we'll, it's done it, better here it, it, it kind of is I, I don't know why maybe it's because it's not it's not scott so it's it's something different I'm, it's not like i'm conditioned to want some I'm, I'm already conditioned to something new that's happening so like it's like all right it's right. fine um i don't know it, it also was just like it wasn't trying to be too serious with with correct with it. You kind of know that, like, as soon as they mention this, you're like, "All right, well, I don't believe it." So, <laughs> it's I'm just gonna I'm just along for the ride. Uh, and also, you know, that whole chapter about conspiracy theories, which was yeah, kind of kind of chilling. That I read that the same day that a New York Times article comes out. I in my mailbox, I, I like I'll get these like you might like this New York Times article. And it was about the Bronco and about how Denver airport is a conspiracy theorists wet dream, essentially. And then I read that article and I was like, oh, this is I was like, oh, I feel like I've listened to that in a Scott Harvath book. And this was before I got to it in the Athena project. And then later on that day, I got to that. And I was like, oh, it was this book. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was like weird. The same conspiracy thing happened theories. to me. I was trying to figure it out. I'm like, I feel like I've heard this conspiracy theory before. You know, like maybe I read somewhere that Mark Zuckerberg lizard person is living under the airport or whatever. I was like, where is this from? And then I remembered I was starting to do a little research on it and a PBS documentary came up and it's mm. like a PBS learning lab where it was like a training for teachers on how to do fake news and how to break down conspiracy theories. And they use the Denver airport as the example. Oh, that's and so funny. I, I think. In, yeah, I think in one of my teacher trainings, we had gone through this because I'm like, the blue horse with the red eyes and these creepy paintings and like people saying it's the Illuminati headquarters under an airport. I was like, one, this is bizarre. And two, I think I remember hearing about this. So I had a similar thing happen there. Yeah. Some of the things that you look up, you know, and, and Brad, obviously, you know, everything he writes is true, you know, but whether or not like what happened, you know, what the the implications. Yeah. So like the fact that the sculptor died, like his his sculpture killed him. Like it, that's true. Um, the fact that they literally built these bunkers and then filled them up because they said they were done wrong. Like that's also true. You know these. Uh, and I think is is there is there anything about the an airport with um, ventilation in in a Mitrap novel? Not that it's a Denver airport, but I think he like references. There's something like akin to oh that they also have that at the Denver airport where like you'll just be out in the middle of nowhere and there'll be these like ventilation shafts you know like well what the hell is that for 
One thing I could buy, though, is the fact that maybe underneath the Denver airport is like some sort of government facility, you know, like I, I could believe yeah, that. Who knows? Yeah. Continuation of government type of thing. Who knows? But, but I think the most important point here with all the conspiracy stuff, one, you're right in saying it's Brad Thor being Brad Thor. Anybody mm. who's trying to claim this book is out of the blue, comes out of left field, isn't reading close enough. Right. And the second thing I'll say about it being Brad Thor through and through is boy are we traveling heavy i mean we'll get to it but we've got the whole list of places to run through so that's another way it's absolutely a brad thor book and i think once you change your mindset because i think every mitch rap book i went into wanting to take it seriously and i think vince wanted the reader to take it seriously and his themes were really pertinent really important pretty pressing i think i've learned with brad thor sometimes you just have to go along for the ride like and this book in particular you got to switch on its saturday morning cartoon mode right this is pajamas bowl of cereal just ready to go and and for me that clicked not only with the conspiracy stuff but the second we heard about the quantum teleportation and this whole like angel's gate the anglator that these German scientists were working on. I was like, the second we get into that, some readers might go firebomb this book, you know, on all the review sites. Be like, it's so dumb. But to me, the second that was explained and you've got like body parts stuck in a concrete wall because of failed Nazi experimentation with quantum teleportation, I'm like, dude, let's go for it. Let's dig in. And you know I will be the first one to criticize something if I think it's totally dumb, out of place, and it doesn't work. But no, that is not the reading I got. The second I heard that, I was just like, bang, I'm just going to enjoy it. This is a book I'm just going to have fun with. I'm not going to take too seriously. You know, this is not like Mitch Rapp trying to impersonate Saddam Hussein's son to break into a bunker and stop a nuclear attack. Like, no, this is just going to be an adventure story. And it didn't get that out of control wild. Between the Denver conspiracy and this quantum teleportation – it didn't do anything else like so weird that it it would make me check out and want to go give it one star. So not at all. I, I didn't have a problem with that. And the last thing, unfortunately, I think some people have a problem with. You mentioned this is written for, you know, a female audience or something like that or an adolescent audience. I, I don't think so at all. I mean, some of the humor between the ladies and frankly, some of the sex and, and yeah. graphic scenes that Brad is bringing up. I think this is just in his wheelhouse. I think it's his repertoire. He's just applying that humor of operators to a female context. So to me, the only criticism could be maybe someone with experience or a woman author herself could write the perspective of a female team of operators better. And of course, right, the answer to that is yes. Yes, they would, right? <laughs> like it, it would be experiential. It would be firsthand. It would be like Jack Carr, you know, writing a story about a SEAL who wants revenge on the government. You know, like, of course, someone inside of it with firsthand experience would do it better. But I don't think you could take away from what Brad did, because some of the interactions between the ladies are fantastic. And you add his brand of, you know, kind of sexually charged humor into that. And it just is brilliant. It absolutely works for me. And I'm having such a good time with the Athena girls when they're together. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we got our first taste of them in the last novel, you know, foreign influence right so 
I, I enjoyed them. And I was like, oh, this is where they came in again. And I think we're... So you mentioned the fact that he didn't get a chance to write the sequel, but he teed it up. And I think what we're actually going to find out is that he did tee up, but this is going to be a continuation in full black. So the amalgam uh, is okay. You know, something that I think is going to be a player there. But what I think happens is that We'll, obviously, we'll talk about it when we read it, but I, I think that he decides to drop the Athena team, essentially. So uh, I don't want to spoil it. There's like a scene, I think, with Scott and maybe one of the one of the um, players in the beginning of, of that novel or the next. But yeah. We do have a little to resolve, though, with Gretchen, Riley, and Scott. I mean, there's a love triangle, and I'm hoping there's some sort of satisfactory conclusion to that. So right. I don't so remember. We finished the last novel with... What was the guy named George, um, the British guy? Oh, right. The MI5 guy. The MI5 guy who's actually yeah. working for, you know, whoever whoever were the two British people speaking in this club, right? right? And so I think... Are they the amalgam? I, I, that's what it's I, all connected? I think that's what's all connected. So I, that's what I wanted to ask oh, you. Sweet. And maybe this is a better question to ask after we read the next novel or once we get the conclusion of the amalgam is, you know, if let's say someone skips this, how much are they missing? I mean, I guess they're not missing too much because mm. mainly, mainly this is like, you know, the reason Scott is after the Italian guy, what was his name? Um, Bianchi. Bianchi yeah. is because he gave weapons the last book. to people in foreign influence. You know, uh, he, he plays a role, you know, and so. And the Rome attacks. Yeah, exactly. The Roma text. So essentially this book would be a couple sentence off cha- off book chapter. You're right. You know, what, what Scott's doing in between books. And I think that's kind of cool. I like that kind of stuff. There's yeah. always, there's been a bunch of things in the various series we've read where, you know, the, especially in like Mitch where like he, yeah, it doesn't take like it's not like a whole year, but it's like a couple months, and he's been doing something, obviously. And you know, typically it's related to what the next, you know, plot is going to be. You know, or they reference like something that they did, like some op that they did. And now we get to see that in this novel. I think that that's why I appreciate this. You know, yeah. reading these genres, especially like dedicating our our you know our outlet to covering you know two very long series, and we actually can appreciate you know, some of those downtimes when you're like sort of nitpick, not nitpicking, but like doing a deep dive into these, into these stories. I think you're right. I, that makes me appreciate this one even more than I already had, because that's a really cool balance. You can go from foreign influence to full black and you're right there with it because of that ending of foreign influence. But if you read this book, you have a little bit more context of what was going on to get them there or to give them some of these leads, but it's not required reading. So I think that's even more impressive to the way you can merge and balance the universe and then this kind of side quest and not make it feel like a side quest at all. And right. speaking of that, I think you mentioned my favorite sequence in the book. I think it's like chapter two or three. Yeah, Venice. The Italian op. Yeah. The Venice they, op. That's really cool. It reminds me Holy of like the smokes. Italian job. There's a couple things yes. that remind me of the Italian job in this in this novel. There's the you know Italian scene and then at the very end – when they're chasing the trucks and there's like multiple trucks that they're having, and that reminds me of the, uh, you know, the, the, the vault at the very end. And then they had to like split up and stuff. Um, play the shell game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, no, dude, but that Italian op, 
the and something else it does not only is it at the end of the excitement the link to scott harvath when they take the guy to scott and he's kind of their uh they're ace in the hole to get out of there and scott wants to interrogate bianchi so there is that link but it's also giving us another reason we need the athena project because like in foreign influence thought it was really smart how they had the op in amsterdam and they were dancing in the windows but secretly surveilling the streets of the red light district we right away see them using their uh their skill set and another set in order to um manipulate essentially this uh this millionaire who's hosting this party in venice and they're able to isolate him and uh you know take him to bed and and that's where they're able to apprehend him and I, and i thought the whole way it happens back and forth he he's flirting they're flirting going along with it to a certain degree but then eventually realize he's he's not giving in as they hoped so they have to drug him but by drugging him it leads to kind of this sequence where his guards are alerted and and they go out the window and he can't swim and then they're on this boat getting shot at in the zodiac man it, that was like casino royale you remember casino royale with that building collapsing right i'm right. like damn like we've got some bond stuff italian job mission impossible like it's so cool and, and scott harveth couldn't have done that job you know like your regular operative couldn't have done it you needed this group of ladies to to be able to uh sweet talk bianchi right. to get him right. upstairs right no and i also like the scene because you know we're kind of yes we've met them in the last novel but we kind of just got like a, the brief little background, you know, and, and Scott is the main driving character in, in that. But here we're sort of, we're expected to know who they are com coming in with a little bit of knowledge about them. But then I would argue that we, we do get a decent amount of character development with them. And, and it's sort of, we're sort yes. of popped in media res with them in this op and, you know, they're, they're quipping with each other that, you know, they're, you learn a little bit about each of their individual traits. And that's, what's cool about having the four, protagonists of this you know group and each of them are different in their own way and i feel like brad does a good job of like you know sort of partitioning that um because obviously in in a group there's going to be you know differences you know just like with you know scott and like the eventual people he's going to work with um on a given op or the people he has worked on on past ops or mitch and his his squad you know like yeah. like scott mitch and scott are very different people you know and, and obviously yeah. they, they built that um up so I think with the amount of time that we have and like uh, uh, Brad uses enough to to give us, you know, a, a good example of, of, you know, who Gretchen is, who Julie is, who Megan is, who Alex is. And so we're actually missing one. Right. So we don't see Rodriguez in this novel at all because she is she's hurt. She's recovering. Right. Yeah. Man, that was a great scene. I think the four I think the four protagonists work. I don't know, like how the fifth, you know, like, you know. Five, more than that, it's kind of like getting, I don't know. And, and oftentimes it was two. Like, so it, it was, even though it was four, it was like right. split up. So, it, you know, right. he only had to deal with, which is easy just to have one, one on one interactions. Well, they do that a couple of times. So, just to, to point out the other action scenes they're a part of, there's that castle where they're really sent to do more investigative or exploratory work, like chase down some leads, see what's going on with this castle. Her, their boss which by the way we should give a shout out to rob hutton i really like how he's handled as their leader their like handler and 
he and Gretchen seems, I think, have had had some history, but they're adult about it. They kind of very professional. I think he's a really good boss for them. It it almost makes me think of that guy who's running Haley Chill. And right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the Chris Howdy series. Though I, I, though I don't know what conclusions to draw about him. He seems to be a patriot and, you know, an upstanding guy, but not sure. But here, Rob Hutton, I think we're really bought into. And that's expressed at the end when the girls toast to him. You know, they're all toasting the op and they make sure uh, to toast Rob and thank Rob and include him in the little group. Uh, so I just really like how that's handled. But they're in the castle. He sends them on that mission. And then Gretchen essentially figures out what's going on here because guys came at us with submachine guns and we were here with pistols. We were told we're just going through a castle, you know, an old ruins. And he's like, all right, there is more to the story. He reads her into it. Yeah. And they they go down and they see this, you know, horror scene uh, and they obviously realize like this, all this Nazi occult stuff. So like, why the hell did you send us to this facility that obviously like you knew, you know, more than you're leading on. Right. So. Yeah. hundred percent. And then they also split up uh, at the very end scene. Was that like a church? Uh, I think they're at um, – who's the big bad here? Um, Obression. 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 Yeah, yeah. Obression. His, his complex. And they also split up there where two are holding, holding the outside and the other two go inside and find the false wall and go down the staircase. So I think you're right in that they're teamed up pretty well. And that, that shows Gretchen's leadership, right? She's able to make the call on the op of who and what skill sets are needed where – kind of that divide and conquer idea. And I think that just it's good storytelling, but it also shows Gretchen's leadership on the op. Yeah. And then obviously they set up, they split up here with, you know, people taking their roles and then they split up again when there's, they have to go get that one. I think it's in Serbia. And that's where the, you know, there's like little mini action scenes. There's some, like some big action scenes. You think you've described them, you know, the, the very end and when they're at that castle, in i guess is that in um to, like did you write out oh, the traveling heavy for us they're in the czech they're near prague yeah 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 Yeah, they're in czechia i i did my best i honestly don't know if i got it all it was just so many but this list is like early brad like this makes me think of brad's like first couple of books the way this is we open in france that's the historical scene the prologue jumping out of the plane where that female operative world war ii is capturing the scientists and the documents who's working on the research. Paraguay, because there's a whole nother side plot that they find new or Nueva Germania, this new German colony that was basically one of the testing sites for the Angulator, the quantum teleportation device, hidden away in the jungle. We had the Venice op with Bianchi. He's kind of the first suspect who's going to lead us through this chain of events. Denver outside the airport. That's another storyline maybe we'll get into next where we kind of have a, a spy versus spy going on. And and I really kind of like that as a side plot. We've got the Czech Republic with the castle. One of our bad guys is in Serbia. Another one of our bad guys is in Turkey. A whole bunch of bad guys are in Croatia. And then some other bad guys in Bosnia and Slovenia. <laughs> this is like this is like Yugoslavia tour. You know, this is like I don't even know what was going on. We're in one country, another country. I don't know if Brad that month had just been vacationing, you know, in in the Balkans and southeastern Europe, but he was all over the place with that. I was like, where are we? That's maybe the one biggest criticism I have is the chain of bad guys, who's contacting who, who's doing what and where 
got a little bogged down because we were just traveling too heavy. Did you feel that way? Yeah, and I, I felt like, you know, we weren't really getting a sense of the area. We weren't getting those, those you know, this book was short uh, relative to like, was. some of the other ones. And I feel like, you know, maybe we would have got a little bit more description of the setting if the book was a little bit longer. You know, I until you told me that we were in Slovenia, Bosnia, I knew we were in Croatia, uh, like Spiro, Croatia, but I didn't, we were, I remember that they mentioned the Istrian Peninsula. But yeah, I didn't realize we went to all of these places because they mainly were just like, you know, at the, the title things at the beginning of the chapter, like right. Bosnia, whatever, you know, nine, two. Some of them, somebody just took a phone call, you know, like one of the bad guys just answers a phone call in one of these countries, sure. and, you know, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Sure. I mean, but, you know, some of the highlights we got, like, you know, the description of Venice was pretty cool. Description of the yep. De Denver airport. Uh, we got a nice description of Spiro. And then, obviously, the Istrian Peninsula. So, you know, he kind of, like, while we were a lot of places, he sort of picked where he wanted to give us a little bit more description. And I think a, a foil to that, moving around too much, was that we actually slowed down and really enjoyed the scenes in the woods, in the cabin, on the hiking trail with, boy, what were their names? Again, gets lost in the shuffle. So, Victoria Suffolk. Yes. Vicky Suffolk, who thinks she's working for the Russians. Mm-hmm. Her handler, Peter, who has who has a name. I think it was what uh, Peter Marcus. Peter Marcus, yeah. But that's an you know an alias because he's actually Pence, which is Matthew's FBI partner, his like mentor, and Matthew is the guy that Victoria thinks she's running, and he thinks he's running her, so he's a double agent. I, I actually, as confusing as that sounds, it's even hard for me to explain it here. It was a really gripping spy versus spy little scene. And then again, because this is Brad Thor, you throw in the sex aspect of she's sleeping with both of them, her handler and her agent or who she thinks is her agent. They've got some really bizarre stuff where she's being stalked in the woods and hides in this cabin. And it turns out they were role playing. I was like, what is this, Vince Vaughn in the beginning of, what was that, Four Christmases? Right. <laughs> Where they're at the right. bar. Right. <laughs> I, but that was kind of cool when it was revealed that this was just a role play. And and that was her handler slash boyfriend who was also running her. It's spy for spy for spy. Like, whoa, that was some deep stuff. Did you like all that? You know, I I did to an extent. I, I like Part of me was like, what what does this have anything to do with the actual novel? And that's a it, good point. That's it was point. it was tied in at the very end. You know, you kind of knew that something was going to happen in Denver Airport. And I guess they were ultimately the amalgam. Right. So Pence is part of the amalgam. Right. And, he, you know, obviously the amalgam has. And that's why I think uh, George, this guy's guy, uh, the, the, the British MI6 guy is also part of the amalgam. So, like, there's these highly placed moles in different levels of intelligence agencies throughout the world right yeah part of this cabal that wants to take down the world and this is one of their plans and i'm guessing so correct me if i'm wrong they were thinking that the government has an angle tour like we already have an angle tour in underneath the denver airport and they're hoping to send it to that angle tour not the right. one in south america exactly and and then exp have it explode 
and then and then set yeah. us back with all of our research essentially right exactly and what else whatever else we were doing in that facility so it would just come off as a terrorist attack at an airport but they'd secretly be, be destroying some of our really advanced technology and research on this quantum teleportation subject so yeah it's like they were going to hit us first and take down our capability to do or understand what they hit us with <laughs> right right but to do that Vicky Suffolk needed to have Matthew who worked for the TSA, she thought, even though he was an FBI guy, plant these listening devices and get coordinates and know exactly, you know, where the gate is that they needed to send the EMP bomb. So, yeah, I, it tied in enough for me. And I was along for the ride. I did like, the, you know, kind of these dead drops in the woods or finding each other on the hiking trails or meeting up and trying to run the agent and then reporting to your handler about if you think the agent is where you, where, you know, you need them to be. And I don't know, it, it was like kind of cool to have that old timey spy storyline going on in a Thor novel. Cause we don't always get that. Yeah, no, I mean, it, don't get me wrong. Like it, it was interesting. It was cool. I didn't like when I was reading, I didn't mind it, but I was at the very end, they sort of like brought it back in with like, just, you know, saying the word amalgam. Yeah. Uh, like, Oh, he's a little clunky. this way, but yeah. Um, I think this was, you know, Scott or Brad, maybe, you know, just trying some. There's never like this much sex, <laughs> this much sexuality in one of his novels. You know, maybe he was told to spice things up a bit. I don't know. Maybe you wanted to. I, it was interesting to, to see the amount of, you know, at times, did you feel like it was verging on a, uh, an erotic thriller? <laughs> you know what? Maybe. And now that I think about it, Perhaps talking about the different criticism people have of this, perhaps this is a valid one that a book with female protagonists and then a female side character, this Vicky Suffolk, basically he, you could reduce their importance in most of these ops down to sex appeal. And I, it's kind of interesting, right? Because, yeah, that's part of the tactical advantage. No, I think like, but I, I liked how he sort of brought it full circle in the very beginning by saying – this is why the Athena team works, you know, because okay, yeah. they're not suspected. They're, you know, they are underestimated, but yet they're right. fucking badass operators who can hold their own, you know? So it's, it's like Mitch Rapp at the farm on the training course, him holding back and only doing it 70% and then looking like he's winded. He wanted people to underestimate him because then when he goes a hundred percent, they're just blown to pieces. You know, they lower their expectations of you. Yeah, so I mean, in in terms of Jack Carr, you know, that's battlefield advantage, right? That's that's gaining a tactical advantage. If the enemy is going to play games like that, we need to be willing to do the same thing, and that's the whole point of the teams, and it works. It really does. But some part of me could validate someone who who says, "Well, you're just reducing female operators to their use, you know, through sex appeal," and I'm like. I mean, they also have the chops, right? They've got the skills to back it up. So I don't think that argument ultimately holds weight. We see them do enough badass stuff where, let's say the sex was cut out of this, you know, they could still hold their own in any battle or, or fight. But the fact that they also can do that, I think is really dangerous in a good way, you know, dangerous for our enemies. So yeah, I'm on board with it. Like I said, I was having fun. I'm just trying to tease out why some people might have a problem with this book. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, quantum teleportation is real. Like, you know, we haven't gotten to this. Are we going to have to cancel you again? What do you mean? You're telling me Wonka Vision works? No, 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 no. I mean, yes, <laughs> uh, in in the quantum in the quantum realm, you know, like which is a real is a real is a real place. Uh, you know, this is a Cornell education right here talking about the Wonka Vision sending candy bars across the universe. I don't think we'll ever you'll ever be able to get that, but you know, just in like 2021, I think the Chinese were able to send a fo- a photon. They're able to teleport it from China to a lower Earth orbit satellite. You know, in, Damn. in there, I, I don't know. I see that I don't understand how they're able to detect that it's it's the exact same thing and it's actually traveling. I guess they could do calculations and realize that, like, you know, it traveled faster than physically possible. So I'm not a physicist. I guess so. I just don't understand it. Yeah, right. I, I distinctly remember in like high school physics, I don't know, 11th, 12th grade or whatever. It was basically, you go through the whole year or basically all high school, you learn science, physical science, earth science, biology, physics. And then eventually it's like, oh yeah, by the way, at the quantum level, none of this exists and is real. It's it's just, you know, or or you're doing like trajectories of something and you do all these fancy calculated equations. It's like, oh, a monkey is riding in a taxi at 50 miles an hour. And shoots a bow and arrow at a 35-degree angle. You know, calculate how far ahead of the taxi the bow and arrow will land. And it's like, you do all these calculations, and then the teacher goes, oh, yeah, by the way, wind resistance. None of this is true. It doesn't actually work this way. <laughs> yeah, no, you you learn physics, you know, in a very basic sense. And, like, anything you would want to do, use it for. It's like, yeah, you're not, you're not taking into any account of any other, it's vari- like maybe in a any other variable. And it's all in a vacuum, all in a vacuum. Yeah. 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 Oh man. Yeah. I don't understand the quantum stuff. All right. We need to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F, our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Ben, Matt, Dawn, Peggy, Ray, Bridget, and Mark. Please subscribe, rate and review to all three seasons of No Limits using Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can find us online at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at thrillerpodcast. And as always, let Athena be Athena. Athena.